are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because He is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with His purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. How did I get here? This is not what I had planned for my life. How many are in a place today that you've never dreamed you'd be and wondering what in the world God is doing? Or maybe you're even wondering if God is even aware of where you are. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, always delighted to be your host. Well, dreams can die and in many ways. But was it our dream that dies or God's dream? Our guest today knows about the death of her dream, yet she didn't give up on what God had dreamed for her. So if you are questioning life today, where you are or what you're going through, I know our guest will not only encourage you, but I think she's going to inspire you with her story to help you find your story. She has been an avid college athlete. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker, blogger, and she's what? One in a hundred? What does that mean? Well, to explain that, how about I just bring today's guest on, Tori Joy Geiger. Tori, welcome to Coffee. Kim, it's such a pleasure to be here. I am delighted to have you. Before we get into the story, let's tell everyone where you're calling in from. Yes, I'm calling in from the beautiful wine country area of Newburgh, Oregon. And I'm just outside of Atlanta, so it's always important for me to allow, to let the listeners know, our friends who are listening, to know that we're not sitting in a room together. We are really speaking across the country, and we're going into uh, our virtual studio that's in the heart of Atlanta. So uh, it's amazing how technology works now, isn't it? It's incredible. I've never done this before in a virtual green room, so this is a cool experience. Yeah, it is, and it's going to get cooler because God is going to do great work right here with your story. So thank you so much for joining us. Now let's just dive into it because we've got a lot to talk about. Tori, what do you, oh, and by the way, I maybe had mentioned this to you, but, you know, I, I thought I was going to have a Tori. When I was pregnant with my second child, they told me that it was a girl. I already had one boy, and I'd already decided I was going to name her Tori, Victoria, because my first child was Trey, so I was going to have a Trey and Tori. But let me tell you what, I love having you as my friend, and I have love having my second child as often. God always knows what he's doing, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I mean, I was supposed to be named Alyssa or Veronica, or no, not Veronica, Vanessa. And right before I was born, my parents were like, no, like that just doesn't fit. Because my parents were really mm-hmm. into meaning 
of names. Uh-huh. And so it's, uh-huh. you know, they changed it to Victoria. And I, the, the nurses, um, after I was born and had some, my surgeries, they're like, how appropriate. Because Victoria literally means victory, victorious. So God uh-huh. knows, he works in amazing ways. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. So um, I knew that my Austin was supposed to be Austin. I knew a special toy would be coming into my life, so I it's so excited <laughs> to meet you and hear your story. So, Victoria, toy, let's jump into this right now. What does it mean when you put in your bio your one in one hundred? Yes, so one in a hundred means that I'm a CHD heart warrior, and what that means is I'm a congenital heart defect warrior. And for me, um, congenital heart defects um, kind of span a large amount of different types, there's lots of different defects that can happen, but one in a hundred babies in the United States are born with a congenital heart defect, and I happen to be one of them, and I actually have two. So I have Epstein's anomaly, and I also have a coarctation of my aorta, and with CHD, most babies will have to have a life-saving surgery within the first year or so of their life, and that was me. I had my first open heart surgery when I was four days old, and then I again had another one at two months old, and then again at seven months old. So um, that was the start of my journey, and they were fortunately able to um, not necessarily fix, but repair what they could. And um, it really wasn't until uh, my freshman or my middle school years that I started developing um, rhythm issues with my heart. And so it was actually called supraventricular tachycardia, and we call it tachycardia for short. And Mm -hmm. what that would mean is I would literally be sitting after maybe running or something. I'd be sitting down, and my heart would be beating at 200 beats per minute. You could just see Mm -hmm. it, like, pulsating on my chest. And I guess it's really common with my preexisting heart conditions. And so Mm -hmm. um, we – I was on medication for a while until I had my first – they call it an ablation procedure – I had that one. It was successful at the time. And then um, my heart did a funny thing where it grew back the thing that was causing the rhythm issues, which is kind of Uh weird. Um, Uh And so my freshman year of high school, I think that's when my heart condition became really real for me. And that was Uh when I was playing basketball and I was ambulance from a varsity basketball game and was defibrillated three times in the ER in order to get my heart to go back to a stable rhythm. And Uh it, that was a very uh, low point, scary point in my life that my story became really real. Like I'm not normal. Like my life will probably never look normal and I'm living in an unknown zone. Um, One thing with CHD is um, my generation is a little bit of the guinea pigs because a lot of the technology was coming out when we were babies. So our survival rate is higher, but the specialists aren't as much. So really Mm -hmm. we're kind of, for the guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, th- you just covered so much here. I'm thinking about your parents <laughs> going to surgery. Did you have other siblings around? What your home life must have been like? How, you know, how, how long were these hospital stays? You know, I mean, you, everything about your home and your, your family life, I mean, with your parents, everything changed. Did, did you have other siblings? Yes, I do. Um, I have an older brother. His name's Grant. Um, he's uh-huh. two years older than me, and he's my best friend. Um, but uh-huh. I was the, the baby of the family. They didn't have any more kids after me. Uh, my mom was uh-huh. a little bit older when she had me, um, uh-huh. but they 
they were concerned that if they had another child, it could be worse because we have uh-huh. found out that part of my heart condition is genetic. Um, so uh-huh. there is a possibility, you know, I can get passed on, and they didn't want to take that risk. So it's just me and my brother. Mm-hmm. So have, so take us into um, that freshman that when when it seemed to all be hitting you because that's a really that's a tough time to be dealing with something you already we, you know at that at that age you already feel different and weird and mm-hmm. kind of strange we, all all teens go through that awkward you know who am I that was a that was a double triple whammy for you how did you get yeah. how did you how did you find yourself dealing with that totally what you at that to age and. Yeah, mm-hmm. at that age in my life, my identity was really wrapped up in athletics. I played sports yeah. throughout my life, and I found my identity in my athletic abilities, and I really had this sense of, you know, from day one, doctors were saying things like, you'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able mm-hmm. to do that. And I kind of had this mindset of prove people, I'm going to prove them wrong. And so Why? I kind of carried that weight around with me, and I did that through athletics. I did that through achieving in athletics. So when I was a freshman and my world just kind of came crashing down and it was embarrassing to be laying on, you know, I was fortunately behind the bench. I wasn't playing in the game at the time, um, yeah. but I was behind the bench with the trainer and it wasn't calming down and they're like, we need to get an ambulance, an ambulance now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was embarrassing. I felt weak um, because, you know, I'm a freshman. One of my big dreams was to make varsity as a freshman. Basketball at that point in my life was, my main sport. It was something my dad and I bond over. We'd spend hours in the gym. It was just kind of our thing. And mm. to have that happen was just petrifying um, to see the look on people's faces as they're getting wheeled out into an ambulance and you're just getting poked and prodded with all the, the IVs and the tests and everything. And they're trying to find out information. And um, it was overwhelming. Um, I had a lot of trauma yeah. that came out of it. Um, and so I think it was that feeling of weakness, like it was out of my control. There was nothing I could do, and I, I was trying so hard to be strong, but mm-hmm. that wasn't my job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, Tori, I'm thinking as people are listening right now, it may not have been in sports. It may not be uh, the same situation that you found yourself in, but they're feeling that in life, you know, like completely out of yeah. out of control and, you know, and, and feeling weak because they can't handle a certain situation or because something happened to them that, you know, that was embarrassing. And so I feel like there's so, so many people connecting on, on so many levels. So, and I just wanted to acknowledge that to our listeners. One of the things that, um, I think is so astounding in, in all this. As a parent, I'm I'm thinking this. Your parents, knowing um, the health issues you had, they still allowed you to play sports. I mean, that took a lot of faith or trust or or something. What 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 do you have to say about that? Because that's really admirable that your parents didn't put you in some kind of bubble wrap, right? <laughs> yes. In this. I think it's a combo. I talked to my parents about this actually quite a bit because I got a lot of this question from other heart parents. And I think part of it was they just wanted me to be able to live as normally as possible. And then my dad also kind of makes a comment. He goes, I think ignorance maybe kind of was bliss <laughs> on certain things. Of We just didn't know what we didn't know. And so we just kept moving forward and trusting uh-huh. that, you know, God had a plan no matter what happened. And we just, we just kept moving forward. We didn't really think twice 
about burns, you know, if I need Uh to pull myself out of a drill or my lips are turning blue or things like that. But um, they really, they didn't want to put those limits in front of me. They wanted me to explore the boundaries. And I found my boundaries. I think that's the thing that's been beautiful with having CHD is I've really learned to know my body really well. And I know when I've hit a wall and I know when I need to stop something and that this isn't going to be good. Um, if I push mm-hmm. further, whether that's work or athletics or anything. So um, I think it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. And I just so admire them for doing it because, uh, you know, I think that's, that's what that allowed you to be you. And so yeah. I, I think that is, again, you know, such a, and again, this book that you've written uh, from vulnerable to victorious and uh, listeners, I hope that you'll pick it up. It's it's a book that, I mean, it just covers so many layers of so many things in life. That being one, you know, being able to look at a situation and and being open to opportunities rather than just saying no to everything, you know, rather than letting, yeah. you know, fear overcome everything. Your parents were willing to say, no, I still want her to have a life. I think that's so admirable. Definitely. I admire my parents for that, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Troy, tell us, um, what was one of your, you know, one of the things I think is so important for people to understand is that, you know, when someone writes a book like this, you know, you can get to the end of the book, and most of the time it's like, you know, oh, everything's great. I got through this. I, I am victorious. But there were many yeah. times when you didn't feel that way. And I think it's important to talk about some of the really low, hard times in our journey. So what was, what, what would, and I know there are several of them with all the surgeries you've gone through. Tell us about one of your lowest points in all of this. I think one of my lowest points was when I had just come out of my second surgery. So I just had that traumatic event happen. And literally that the next month they scheduled my next surgery and my next ablation procedure. And I went in and, you know, I, w- I put on a good face. I think that's something mm-hmm. like I'm a very joyful person and I, you know, could kind of mask what I was feeling until I got out of surgery. And I literally, I, I talk about this in the book too. Of, I was in the back seat of the car and my parents are just talking and they asked me a question and I just snarkily just, replied to them, which is not like me. I'm not like that. Um, And part of that might have been some of maybe the medical-induced drugs I was under from surgery. Some of that was probably just (laughs) the anger coming out. But I went through a period for the next probably three or four months, I was so depressed. I was so angry. Um, I remember eating lunch at at, – I would go home because we lived really close to school um, I'd go home for lunch. I just felt so isolated because I felt like no one knew what I was going through. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be 14 years old and have your life flash before your eyes and be thinking about things like, how are people going to remember me? Like, did I, did I do my part? Like things like thoughts like that were running through my head where my friends were thinking about, you know, the banquet coming up and who's going to ask them to <laughs> the prom or different yeah. things like that. And so mm-hmm. I think I was just angry that this is my story. Like, and that, you know, at that point in my life, they weren't sure if I could do sports. They were just going to watch it. Um, and they had given me the go-ahead, and fortunately, I was able to train and get back into it. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I was like, God, you're taking, away, you're taking this away from me, this mechanism that makes me normal, this mechanism that um, gives me identity. You know, you're taking mm-hmm. that away from me. How dare you <laughs> was kind mm-hmm. of my yeah. mindset. And 
I, I think looking back, um, I was really, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm kind of ashamed that I was so angry at God. And it took a lot of healing. It took a lot of, you know, conversations with my mom, a lot of prayer, a lot of therapy sessions working through trauma um, yeah. to get me out of it. But I think it, <laughs> it was the growing pains of my relationship with God. We had to get, we had to get on the same page. Well, yeah, I mean, and, it, and, it's, and it's okay. And, and for anyone who, you know, what you just described there, and thank you, you described it so beautifully in the way that we could, we felt that, because there are people who are there, and they're feeling so guilty and so shameful that they, it's, it's hard to admit. And, and right there, I just want our listeners to understand that shame, guilt, regret, all those things are natural emotions that we're going to feel, but they're not the emotions that God wants want us to hang on to they're not you yeah. know, god never shames us he doesn't want to regret mm-hmm. he wants to redeem he doesn't want us to be yes. guilty he wants us to do that and you listed three things right there that are really important i'm going to pull those out really quickly uh, for our listeners because the three things that you really could write a whole chapter on prayer you said you know i had to do a lot of praying mm-hmm. And so for our listeners, you know, God is always available, and he's not angry, and he's not disappointed, and he doesn't mind that you're upset with him or whatever you're feeling. Secondly, you said you had someone that you talked to, your mom. You know, I want to ask yeah. the listeners, who, who do you have that you can really say, I am mad at God, I am angry, I'm frustrated? We must all have that type of person, whether it be your husband or your wife or a neighbor or someone that you can release that to just to get it out of you. And then thirdly, you said a lot of therapy. You know, sometimes people (laughs) attach this stigma to therapy. You must go, you must see what you need and go do what you need to do to take care of yourself. So, you know, Troy, you just gave three, three uh, very practical uh, principles there that I just wanted to break up for our listeners because one of the things I want this show to be is, yes, I want to share stories, but I also want to give a practical application, a path to how we can walk out of situations that we're in that we feel like there's no way out. Because there's always a way out, but just many times we don't see it. So um, you yeah. said that beautifully. So I just wanted to break that up just a little bit. Um, in your book, and in, in, in your book, so many applications um, that you talk about. But one of the things that I wanted to point out was on page 39. You talk about um, a, a book, Miracle Equation, um, and you talk mm-hmm. about how it uh, how it inspired you. Will you talk about that just a minute? The inspiration that you got because I think that this is something that we all long for so could you talk about that just for a minute definitely so the miracle equation was written by Hal Elrod and he has an incredible testimony Um, if you haven't listened to him on podcast or you haven't uh, looked him up you definitely should Um, but he survived cancer he was in he was pronounced dead at a at a hit the auto accident site and just his story is incredible and in this book he talks about, you know, the why behind going after certain things. And for me, all my life, I've been just so goal achieving more because of wanting to prove people wrong or proving my worth, proving that identity. But then when I read this book, I was like, no, like, that's not it. It's who I'm becoming. And I think from the Christian perspective of that's who Christ calls us to be. And if that's our frame of mind is the reason why we're doing things, maybe it's hard things. Like he talks in his book about, he was running an ultra marathon. Um, 
And he was doing it not because he loved running. He hated running, but he was doing it because he wanted to become the type of person that could complete something like that. So that person has to have grit. They have to have um, just discipline, different, like, characteristics. And so I think it changed my view on, like, why I do things. So I ran Mm -hmm. a half marathon uh, a year and a half ago. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, just to build up my mental resilience, um, to also – build my relationship with my sister-in-law, like having abstract goals um, and going after things. I'm a, I was a high jumper also in college. And so I've gotten back in the last couple of months into high jumping because it's such a mental challenge because you literally move mm-hmm. the bar up like an inch and you might've just cleared the bar right before it easily, but then you just, you crash and burn into the next one. And so uh-huh. I think you're, you're building that resilience muscle. And I think mm-hmm. finding activities, in your life that's going to help you become the person that God's called you to be. Um, that could be mm-hmm. painting. Maybe you want to be, you know, you know, you want to have more peace or you want to be a better friend. Okay, what are some things you can be doing, you know, to become that person? Like what characteristics does that person have? And that, that I, I want to land there for just a minute. I want to remind our audience, friends, if you would like to call in, if you have a question or a comment for Tori, you can certainly call in. You can call 347-324-5246, but be sure and press 1 so that uh, our producer will know that you're on air and want to come in to talk, and she will alert me, and then I will call you in by your phone number. So that is 347, or the last four digits of your phone number, I should say. Uh, The uh, number again is 347-324-5246. Press 1 to speak or have a question or comment for our guest today, Tori Geiger. Tori, I want to uh, land there for just a minute because what you said um, and you started actually at the very beginning of your book. You you you, you lead into this. You begin into, into this in the introductory introduction, but then you go on in to explain it in different places throughout the book. Um, and and audience, I'm again talking about the book. It's called From Vulnerable to Victorious by Tori Geiger. But in it, and I just love this. What happens is it's a change of focus. And where we go from being so goal-oriented to being able to become the person it takes to complete the goal, that, that, is, that, that mind shift right there is phenomenal to grasp the meaning of. And uh, do you want to talk about that, Amy? Because I just love that concept. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it just changes how you live life. I mean, it's, Mm-hmm. It, it's like how scripture tells us, you know, how we're running the race. And I think it's just becoming that person that can run the race. Um, and I, I think when we change our focus to becoming that person, it makes us a better wife or husband. It makes us a better friend, makes us a better employee or business owner. Um, I think now when I set goals, it's not about me because really yeah. – it's I'm becoming that person so I can serve and love others. And the best gift that I can give people is becoming that person that God's called me to be. I mean, that is such a powerful concept because then you're in a win-win. When you set these goals, so many times, Tori, don't you think we set these goals because of a person? I mean, and it's okay to set goals. Of course it is. But we set yeah. these goals and we think, but then when we don't achieve them, 
you know, if we don't make the jump or we don't finish the marathon or we don't whatever it is, then we can obviously begin to feel this sense of failure. But if we shift it to where we're creating a person who can do this and is getting better at that, then we see it's a win-win because we see how God is molding our character. That's huge, and that's really what God wants us to focus on is how we are allowing ourselves to become more in the image of who he is. Definitely. I think it helps us to have a deeper why behind why we're doing things because you could set a financial goal and you want to, you know, buy the house, you want to, you know, do different things like that. And that's great to be honest about that's something I want to achieve. Great. But like who, what type of person can do that? Well, that's probably somebody that's disciplined that also is, you know, has wisdom of some sort. Um, Just kind of really breaking down what are the character attributes of every single goal. And um, I think the beauty of it too is when we don't hit a goal, like you were saying, we can feel like a failure if we don't have the mindset of becoming that person. Um, But one of my favorite speakers is Ed Milet and he talks about invisible progress. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's just kind of, it's so true of like, sometimes we can't always see, it doesn't feel like maybe we didn't hit the goal. I have lots of goals that I have not hit, but I've made progress and I've become a better person, even though I didn't hit the goal. And if my goal and my focus is on becoming a better person, then technically I'm hitting my goal in a different way. Well, and and exactly. And when you really, really think about it, how do we, how do we know? Like I I do morning lives every morning at nine o'clock on my Facebook page. And this morning I did a live on, you know, so many times we can get to a place and go, how did I get here? This is not where I wanted mm-hmm. to be. And you, and, and the enemy can begin to use that to spiral you down. But was that where you thought you were supposed to be? Or is that where God had intended all along for you to be? You know, we, we can get our minds so um, centered on what we think that God wants that we're missing what God really wants. A lot of times God will put us with a heart disease with a diagnosis, losing the job, being in a situation where we wouldn't choose to be in because that he has planted us there to be his witness, to be his joy, yep. to be his his voice. So, you know, it's it's all about going back to it and realizing, wait a minute, was this my dream or is this am I truly living the the dream that God would have me to in the midst of very difficult circumstances. So Tori, we're gonna to take a thirty second break. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to we're going to start on. I love chapter eight of. Your, I love the whole the whole book, but chapter eight, you start out the catalyst of change. That what is it that begins when you are in a situation, listeners? What what maybe you're in a situation right now, and you're saying, I don't like anything about where God's put me. My dream was this, but yet I'm over here. I never thought life would be turned out like this. What what are some of our first steps that begin? this heart change because one of the things that I love so much and if I can find it oh let me see where did I find that I love one of the things that was written in your bio oh I'll have to come back and get it where you say that you want to have a heart that beats for others you know that this heart that you have you know I love that Tori and so how do we all get to where our heart beats for others and especially God so we're going to take 30 seconds and then we'll be right back. Audience, stay right here. We'll be right back. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. 
talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable. Delighted to have you joining us. Well, if you'd like to know more about what I do, I'd like for you to visit our webpage at kimcrable.org or rosesandrainbows.org. So we'd love to have you uh, join us, know what we're doing. We're in the process of taking our Friends of Faith tour across America. Oh, how God is using that. After COVID, you know, we forgot, we lost sight of one of the most important things that God has called us to, and that is friendship. But what does friendship really mean? Nothing like what the world says it is. So we dive into that, the different attributes, and we are seeing God do a mighty work. So we'd love to have you join us in one of our upcoming events. We'd also love to uh, be for you to partner with us in many of the ways that, that God is allowing us to serve him and serve others. So join us at www.kimcrable.org and be a part of um, what we're doing. We would be much better having you with us. So thank you again for joining us right here on Up To Me Radio. If you'll look, there are going to be places on Up To Me where you can leave comments. You can uh, let us know about upcoming speakers you'd like to hear. So uh, be a part of what we're doing right here. And um, I promise you, you're always going to hear incredible guests like who we have on this show today, Tori Joy Geiger from Oregon. Joy, uh, Tori, it is so, so great to have you in this book that you've written, From Vulnerable to Victorious. I, I love everything about it. I love the cover. I love the color. I love the, the display of your picture. It tells a story. But what I love more than anything is that it has so many layers that really can um, inspire that help people see the principles of how to move beyond places where they feel stuck, places that they didn't expect to be, places where they feel different or alone, that uh, the enemy could really jump on and make them uh, feel like they don't matter. But in truth, maybe that's right where God has placed them to do a mighty work. And so uh, just thank you again for joining us for this full hour on coffee. So welcome back. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I love that your middle name is Joy because you can hear the joy in your voice. So uh, I can't wait. Looking forward to meeting you in person one day. So yes. let's, let's move over, and thank you for sharing one of your lowest points with us. I think that's so important for us to understand that being a believer doesn't mean that life is filled with just happy, happy moments. We struggle. We have to fight to get through really tough situations as well. But there's a way out, and in Chapter Eight, you began to tell us the catalyst of how to begin to work out of this. You know, talk to us about that for a few minutes. Definitely. So I think some big catalysts for me, number one was gratitude. Um, Mm -hmm. Gratitude has been huge in my life, and I think we always have something to be grateful for. I think scripture calls us to have thanksgiving, and um, I, I think that is so powerful when we choose, even in the midst of our circumstances, to find things to be grateful for. I do a lot of gratitude journaling, and that's kind of 
to segue into journaling, that's the other kind of catalyst that has been huge for me is journaling. Um, it's crazy just the thoughts that come into your head, the way the enemy attacks you. And that's mm-hmm. all in our heads. And if we don't get it out on the paper yeah. or we're not talking to people about it, then it's going to just, it's, he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. And I think um, when we take the time to journal and get those things out, we're also taking those thoughts captive. And yes. I think that journaling for me, my grandma is the person that, that taught me to journal because she journaled about everything. Um, I have yeah. a bunch of her journals that my grandpa actually oh. reproduced um, and typed them all up and everything. Oh. And oh. Um, just I get to, to read those. And, and I also get to read her stories from, you know, her pet goat that she had growing up on a farm in Nebraska to some of the struggles that she saw with her sister or struggles she had as a wife. And so not only, I think, is it therapeutic, but you're also mm-hmm. able to help so many people because, you know, you never know who's going to stumble across your journal. And to you, it might yeah. seem super messy. It's super vulnerable. But to them, it's hope and it's, mm-hmm. it's humanity and so I think I, I had a conversation with my grandma when I was in eighth grade. And it was, I talk about this in the book where I just had that ablation procedure and then it, it, my symptoms and everything came back. And that was another kind of low point, very defeating moment. And I, I was on the phone with her and she just tells me, Victoria, be still and know that I'm God. Like, just be still. And just, um, and she goes, you need to be writing. You need to be writing down what you're going through. And, you know, as much as, you know, an angsty teen, you're kind of like, okay, grandma, like, <laughs> like <laughs> right. Um, but it's honestly been a lifesaver. I mean, I was looking uh, back at journal entries from when I was in high school and college um, the other week. And I was reading some of my entries to my dad. And one of one thing I that stuck out to me was like, man, I am hard on myself. <laughs> and yeah. man, that was in my that was in my head. Like, oh gosh, yeah. that's ugly. Um, but yeah. the other thing was also like, I was journaling about who I want to become. I was writing letters to God about who I want to become, and to see His work in my life that I'm I'm headed in that direction. It was like, mm. whoa, that's that's crazy. Um, so I think those are the huge catalysts in my life that have helped me come out of some really low points. Mm, that's really good. I, I so believe in journaling. I mean, that's, um, that's something that's so important for each and every one of us because you're, what you're saying is so true. We begin to write things that are deep within us that maybe we're not even aware of. That's really causing a lot of damage. So, um, yeah. so um, Tori, how, what role, how has faith played in um, this chronic illness of yours? It's my foundation. It's what gives me hope. It's what drives me forward. I honestly don't know how I would be if I didn't have my faith, um, just Mm -hmm. because it it gives me hope waking up every morning that there's purpose in life, because I think if I didn't have my faith, there wouldn't be a purpose for living, because it would just be miserable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it gives me hope and a purpose. Um, each and every day. And, and let, me, let me define that even more. When I say that, as soon as I said that, I thought, you know, maybe someone out there is going, I don't even know what you mean by faith. When I, when I ask you what does your faith play, what, what does faith mean to you? What does that mean to you? Yeah, trusting God even when I don't know the end result. It's trusting God in the unknown zone. 
even mm-hmm. when I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, it's trusting that his plan is for me to prosper. And mm-hmm. um, I think faith is just, it's taking God at his word in his promises. It's truly believing what he promises us, even when mm-hmm. life is not, not too pretty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I think that really speaks to, you know, our audience today is just, you know, trusting God. That's not easy, is it? It's a, it's a, uh, no. it's a choice. <laughs> it, it is a, a choice to do that. Hebrews 11 is a good faith chapter for anyone who, um, and I, I see that's one of your scriptures, Hebrews 11, 1, which actually describes what faith is. So, um, so what are some specific things you pray for or you, you talk to God about in your, in this journey that you're on? The biggest ones I think are things that my mom actually taught me. She would always pray over my brother and I for favor and for wisdom and understanding. And I think Mm -hmm. it wasn't until probably about a year ago that I was like, man, like that prayer is so powerful because I've seen it in evidence in my whole life of just favor, whether that was in academics or favor in athletics, Um, just asking God, like bring me favor, open doors. Um, and give me wisdom to know how to navigate this favor, because that's another element. Um, and yeah. I think even though we might ask for wisdom, it does come in some different forms. I know I got a lot of wisdom my freshman year of high school and throughout um, because mm-hmm. of what I went through. And so it doesn't mean that it's not going to come through maybe hard things, but you're still mm-hmm. going to be getting wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, and you made a point uh, maybe when we were talking prayer to being on air that I think is really important for us to, that maybe our listeners might enjoy hearing this, is that a lot of times God has given you wisdom in situations that you wouldn't expect. Like when you, uh, you talk about how you learn boundaries with your health, when you collapse, all of a sudden God's giving you yeah. wisdom. Oh, that's a boundary. I don't, when I start feeling this way, I don't do that. You know, so a lot of times it's yeah. by uh, trial and error. Don't you think that God has given us wisdom? Totally. And I think it's, it's to me in the, my most recent um, years, I, I'm a business owner, so I, I'm an author too, but I also own a bookkeeping company. My degree in college was accounting and finance. I'm kind of a accounting nerd. Um, and <laughs> I, I knew, I started having a love for business when I was in high school and I didn't really know why. And I was like, man, like, <laughs> why do I have this, like, I enjoy this, like, because I kind of always knew I wanted to, you know, have a book. I wanted to do something for CHD. So I was just kind of like, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I have this, this um, uh-huh. thing that I'm, I'm good at. And I, in the last so many years, it's because of the business we started, it's because of investing in real estate that I was even able to publish my book, to be able to even go down that route to have the freedom. And so I think God puts things in our lives when we ask for wisdom. He brings other things in that gives us this foundation to launch other dreams in our lives. And we don't understand why, why do I enjoy this? That's not really, you know, part of what I thought my life would look like, but he's using it to help another dream that's going to make, you know, a bigger impact. Absolutely. And he's always helping us to discover the gifts that he's put inside us. I mean, there's so much more to every person who's listening. And, you know, sometimes it takes difficulties or or closed door for us to really be able to discover some of the other things that God has put in us that otherwise that hard place would never allow us to find. You know, Tori, you talked about, you know, prayer 
having your mom to talk to, uh, therapy, you've talked about, and now these are moving up or moving through really tough situations. In your case, it was a chronic illness. You talked about gratitude and journaling. And, you know, something else that you talk about in the book that is so important for all of us to get to, and you, you hit on it in our first half, but it was identity. And on page 99, and this is I love, love this part where you say, and this is one of the things that I do um, in some books that I've written, is trying to take people back to reclaim, restore who they are in Christ. Because we can lose who we are by trying to always think about what we're supposed to be doing. And on page 99, you talk about how we have to come back and reclaim the person that we are. Would you talk to us about that for just a few minutes? Yes, so something I, I coach women that have CHD as well, and one of the big core concepts I talk to them about is knowing who you are at your core. And yeah. I think when all else falls apart, so I might not be able to play volleyball, I might not be able to do sports, but that's not who I am. That's just something I can do, and don't confuse mm-hmm. the two. Um, and so I yeah. think really knowing who you are, which is, you know, I'm a good friend. It's more character qualities than it is what you can do. Because I think when we get so wrapped up in our abilities, that's when we get defeated because abilities come and go. But when we know who we are of like, you know, I got knocked down. Like as a business owner, I know like there's that fear of failure. You know, if there's a recession or something coming, there's that fear. But then I'm like, you know what? But I know that I'm gritty. I know that I can figure things out. I'm persistent. And I'm going to be okay. Um, and so yeah. I think knowing who you are helps because you're going to get knocked down in the journey. And it's, it's really a matter of how you get back up and you're going to get back up better mm-hmm. every single time as you're trusting God, as you're learning to listen to his voice. And I think it's just embracing that. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I, all of those things you just said are things that, and I know that you do this in your book, that you can attach a scripture to. And one of the things that I'm always telling people as we're in counseling sessions is that you have to go back to a scripture, just like what you are so good about in this book, is go back and know who you are in Christ. And it's not as much about, we all want to achieve goals. We all want to, but more than anything, we want to be obedient to what God has called us to, whatever that seems to look like. And sometimes that is uh, in a path that we would never choose. But as we, and I talked about this morning, it's it's a changing of the heart to rather saying, you know, why am I here to what can I do while I'm here? And, uh, and yeah. that, is, that is the cry of the heart. And, and, and the word tells us in Second Chronicles that God, God's eyes are always moving around the earth looking to see whose heart is fully committed to him. So it doesn't have to be a, a heart that beats like everyone else's. It doesn't have to be a heart that hasn't <laughs> known deep hurts and deep pains. It doesn't have to be a heart that hasn't known discouragement. It is a heart that says, okay, I'm not where I want to be or I'm not where I thought I was going to be, but all of us can choose to have a heart that's fully committed to him. And that's that's for each and every one of us. No matter where we are, we can fully commit right now to saying, God, I'm not where I thought I was going to be, but but what would you have me to do right here? Find me to be fully committed to, to you. And I think that's 
it's a beautiful way that God makes us all the same um, to be you know, just committed to him. So uh, let's go over into um, chapter 15 because, I, you know, one of the things that I love to do and, and with our ministry is I love to show people the healing path, the scriptural healing path. I like to help walk them down that path. I love for people to see spiritual, emotional healing in their lives. But I also think that once God begins a healing, that we have an obligation to share that, you know, our call to action and to become that voice of hope. And so in chapter uh, 15 of your book, you talk about it's a call to action. You say, okay, now it's your time to inspire. Why did you write that chapter and why is that so important to you? It's important to me because I am a firm believer that God has given each of us a victory story. Whether we feel like it or not, we do have a victory mm-hmm. story because of what he did on the cross. And mm-hmm. so I think when we, we take the time to journal, when we take the time to reflect on what we've been through, who we're becoming, and we then take it a step further and start sharing it with people, you're yeah. further able to make an impact. And I think I talk about this in the book of, you, yeah. you probably had teachers in high school that, you know, you didn't quite understand or maybe in college you didn't quite understand, and then they bring in a tutor or maybe a classmate would explain the same concept a different way, and then you understood it. And that's the same thing with our stories. We can learn from each other, and I might have CHD, somebody else has CHD, and it's different than mine, their experience is different than mine, but we can both make an impact and reach out to people and impact people in different ways because of our stories and the way that they're unique, and I think that's the power of a testimony, and it also brings healing. I know for me, writing my book um, was also healing to just know, wow, God, you've brought me through a lot. Like, I didn't even realize. And I think it, it helped grow me in my relationship with the Lord. It helped grow me in my relationship with my family. Um, and it brought a lot of healing. There were times I actually went back into therapy um, when I was writing my book because as I wrote some of those parts, just mm-hmm. picturing back on that, the, the gym floor, um, I started getting really bad flashbacks and I started, I never had a panic attack before until I started writing my book. Um, and so I started, and for anybody that's had a panic attack, you know, it's serious. Like you, you, especially going through what I did in high school, um, and being on the verge of death, essentially to have that feeling of like, uh Oh, like, is my heart going to stop? Like it was just petrifying. And I ended up back in the ER, um, Mm -hmm. when I had panic attacks because I thought something was going on with my heart. And I was like, okay, like, this is great. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. through that, though, it, it helped me get back into the shoes, though, of the people that were reading my book. Um, yeah. It helped me have more empathy of, like, the person that is sitting in the hospital right now. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that it wasn't something with my heart and that it was panic attacks. And it was hard, but it was part of the process and the journey, and it brought healing to that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and sometimes I think, you know, I'll just tell you many times I don't, I've never really asked God to completely heal me from from different things I've been through in my life because I I want to feel his peace, but I don't ask for complete healing because I I think it's important to to feel those thoughts like you just talked about. I think it it keeps you um, in a compassionate mode for those who are currently 
And so I think it's just such a, um, a, a ministering tool that we have that we can go back and go, oh, yeah, I know what that feels like. And, and if you stay in touch with that, I just feel like it makes you that much more um, open and vulnerable in ministry, which everybody around us needs for us to be vulnerable. Um, yeah, I have a question, question. Tori. Yeah, yeah. so um, here's, the, here's the question I hadn't thought about until just now. But, uh, you know, go back. I, I'd like for you to go back to that that freshman um you know on that floor and you know the people all around you and the panic and everything that's going on and you know you think about that person then and think about who you are now now if you could stand over that that person um you in that that state what what would you what would you say to her i would say let go i think i so badly wanted control and I was a control freak. And I still have my moments of I want to take the reins on things. Yeah. And I learned, I keep learning my lesson. Um, but I think that girl on the gym floor wanted control. She wanted, to, she wanted to have to be strong. She was caring. I didn't want to let anybody down. And I felt like mm-hmm. that happening to my heart was letting everybody around me down, like my family even though it was something like I never voiced that to people and they never made me feel like that, but it was just an internal dialogue of like not wanting to feel like a burden. And so I would hide that I had a heart condition. I would pretend beyond my annual heart checkup. I would pretend, you know, that I'm normal, that, you know, I I don't have to deal with these things. Um, And I, I think I would just, I would tell that younger self of just let go and surrender it. You don't have to carry this. Like, you don't have to be the strong one all the time. You don't have to put on a brave face. You can just be like, God, I'm scared. I'm, I'm fearful. I need your help. And there's strength mm-hmm. in vulnerability. And I think so badly yeah. in high school, I closed myself off, too. I mean, I had friends read my book, and I, was, I didn't even realize, like, the internal yeah. that you were going through. Because on the outside, you seemed like you had everything together. And... Um, I think for them to read my book and, and see the things I was going through and the things I isolated myself from people because I didn't want them to see the vulnerability. But that's where my mm-hmm. true healing came from. And I saw that firsthand mm-hmm. when I was writing my book is my vulnerability was what gave me strength. Mm. Wow. That, that's, that's powerful, and I think for the audience just to let that soak in, that that was beautiful. And thank you for allowing me to ask that question because I feel like that that just spoke into a lot of people. It spoke into my life. I think it spoke into so many people's lives. Well, Tori, our hour is quickly winding down. And, again, listeners, the book is called from Vulnerability to Victorious by Tori Joy Geiger. You'll love it. It's a beautiful book, and it is filled with so many action principles that are um, applicable for everyday life. It's not, um, you know, it, you you can see it and you, can, you think, oh, I can do that. That's something that I can do. And that's the kind of books that I like. I, don't, I like the ones that really show me, you know, the next step. So, um, Toy, let me let's begin uh, winding this down. Is there a particular scripture that you would like to leave with our audience? I know that you've been you've had many um, that we've talked about through, throughout this. But as you are, you know, as we're people are winding down, what what is a word that you would 
you know, a top recommendation, a word, a scripture, or something that you would speak to someone, whether they're battling a chronic illness right now or if they're just battling where they are in life right now and they're not sure, you know, maybe it's a spiritual illness. What what would be an encouraging word from Tori today to them? Yeah, I would I would turn to Second Corinthians twelve nine. I actually have it written out in front of me, so I'm actually going to read it. Okay. Um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast on the, more, on the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I think that's the scripture that's carried me through of I don't have to be perfect. To the world, this might seem like a weakness, but to him, it's strength and his power shines through me because of it. Mm. Beautiful. I just turned to it. It's, 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 it is a beautiful word. And, and how would that, do you think, would relate to someone who's listening today? What, how would that speak into their path today? I would say um, trust him. I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. But he has made us to be able to do hard things. We're made in his image and keep mm-hmm. trusting him um, and keep, keep moving forward even if it's hard. I love that. You said we, we were made to, to do hard things, you know, and we're made to do hard things because, uh, friends, as we are able, as, as other people are able to see us do hard things, if we're sharing our faith and they're seeing that it's, it goes beyond our capability, it, it does go to show God's grace is sufficient and that it is his power being made perfect in our weakness. And it's where we're allowing God to come in and step in where we are at our weakest so that he can give us the strength to keep on keeping on. Because in the end, our lives, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're called to be an ambassador for Christ as if our very life would be an invitation to others to not only meet Jesus, but to make a choice for Jesus. And so that is a powerful scripture. And Tori, you have a powerful story testimony that I know God is using in a big way. Tell our audience if they would like to reach out to you to get your book. Of course, they can go on to Amazon, but if they wanted to reach out to you to maybe book you for a speaking engagement, or how would people find you? Yes, um, you can reach out to me on Instagram. That's kind of my hub where I hang out and I talk to lots of people. Um, my username is Tori Joy Geiger. And then for speaking inquiries, you can send um, inquiries to hello at ToriJoyGeiger.com. Um, my contact information is also on uh, my book and on my website. So um, if you need that there, that you can find it there. Absolutely. Well, friends, again, I would just like to thank you for join, joining us today. And what a delight to have with us for the full hour, Toy Geiger from Oregon. She does travel. Toy, you're in good health now, correct? Yep, I'm in good health. Um, doing great. <laughs> great. That's what we need to hear. So reach out <laughs> to her. She will. She travels. I asked her before. She travels. And so she can come uh, to your church, or I'm sure there's lots of, um, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of Zoom events now where you can Zoom her in to speak to your group. So that's how you reach her. It's an incredible story uh, from vulnerability to victorious. And she, victorious, you say, is the uh, meaning of uh, 
your name. So there you go. How appropriately <laughs> it was that, that your parents named you what they named you. Well, friend, I just want to thank you so much for joining us for this incredible story. Friends online who are listening now or later, I hope that you'll just go back and dissect the many principles that were given here on how to be victorious in any situation, you know, that God has put us in. He has said to us, we are more than conquerors through him. So whatever we're going through, no matter where we are, no matter where we think we should have been, that we're not, all the different ways that we can find to be discouraged today, you know, lift up your heart. Be of good hope. God says that we are right where we need to be to do what he has called us to do. So the question becomes maybe not so much as why I am here, but God, what would you have me to do while I am here? Listeners, I'd like to just thank you so much for joining us today. Please take a moment to write a comment on our page or like our page. Go to Up To Me Radio. There's so many other incredible programs here that we would like for you to to listen to and participate in. Please, again, go to my website, www.kimcrable.org, and join us there. And, of course, Go on to Instagram and uh, meet up with Tori Joy Geiger or her website at www.toritoijoygeiger.com and connect with her. Until next time, I want to thank you so much for joining me for coffee. I hope and pray that this truly has been a conversation among friends that has encouraged and equipped you. I'll see you next time right here on Coffee. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye, Tori. Bye. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit kimcrable.org. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.org dot org.